Hello there, I'm Dr. Hacky Reitman, and you're listening to Exploring Different Brains. Hi, this is Hacky Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. We've got with us today Ed Harold, who is one of the breathing experts of the whole world. Um, ah. He's a certified yoga instructor. I met him out in Aspen. We were both out at the Aspen Brain Lab there. And he really, really knows a lot about the brain and breathing. Ed, welcome to Exploring Different Brains. How are you? I'm fantastic, Hacky. It's great to be with you and your audience today. Oh, that's great. Thanks for being here. Uh, Why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? I work uh, in a few different platforms. I'm a performance enhancement coach, and I work with breath. I work with neuroscience, cardiovascular health, and uh, proper posture, uh, GI issues. And I'm always looking to find that magic uh, switch of zero balance where everything just turns on in the brain, in the heart, in the spine, where we can just live fully present, fully aware of all of our gifts. And I work in the uh, healthcare industry where I have a, uh, a CME training for physicians. I have a 25-hour and a 100-hour program for physicians who are under stress or burnout or uh, just feel like they're overwhelmed. I work in corporate America in regard to improving communication, reducing stress, improving energy levels and communication, and obviously creating revenue with all of us not uh, killing each other. Uh, I work in uh, athletic realms in regard to athletes meeting their goals without the traditional wear and tear and injuries that we see of the older types of training that were brought to us in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. And I also work with individuals in regard to having them fulfill their passion, fulfill their purpose, fulfill their dream, and just relax and enjoy life. You know, Ed, on your website, you talk about the point of greatness. Could you elaborate on that? Yeah. So, uh, you know, the point of greatness is, well, for me, there is a, there's a piece of us that is obtainable when we can stop placing attention mentally and emotionally on parts of our psyche, on parts of our emotion that interfere with our greatness. I think every human being, regardless of skill sets, regardless of intellect or education, regardless of their social status, is an amazing human being and has a purpose. And that purpose could be defined uh, as a moment of greatness, where something turns on to your personal or professional awareness that had been missing up into this point in your life. And you'll know it when you feel it. And when you feel that point of greatness, everything that you're not no longer has the same pull on your psychology or your biology. You swam 22 and a half miles when you were back in 94. What was that like? Well, that was an amazing journey where I took about six months of my life and uh, I trained for a marathon swim. And the swim was around Atlantic City Beach. And it's an island community of 22 and a half miles. And uh, a lot of local legends uh, have competed in it. But there's, it's also a, a world championship swim with professional swimmers. 
And uh, it was a, simply an event that I, that I wanted to do. I grew up on this island, and it was, it was an annual event every year. And I was a good swimmer. I wasn't a great swimmer. So I took about six years, six months of my life, and I, I started to put some serious training in to trying to swim 22 and a half miles with these uh, professional champions that came from all over the world. And uh, I remember I started the race, and uh, everything was fine. The first seven miles, we were moving right along at 90 strokes a minute. And then around s between seven and 14 miles, my body, my brain was never on fire in as much intense pain uh, as I felt for those several hours. And during that point, something inside of me died that was holding me back up until that point in my life. And something inside me turned on. And when it turned on, I had an immense power psychologically over my physiology that allowed me to perform at a level that I was not accustomed to. So it took about seven hours for my mental ego to be destruct, to be deconstructed. And then around the 14 mile mark with about eight and a half miles to go, something inside of me began to swim for me. And I, I basically was going for a ride and I was back up to 90 strokes a minute. And I finished the race in 11 hours, five minutes and six seconds. And I came in 14th out of 28 professional swimmers. And it was just one of those things in your life that you always have uh, in your recall, the recall of your library of events in your life when life gets tough, to know that when things start to go fast, you can pull back into this and realize that there is a superhuman energetic awareness inside of you if you'll just let it come forth. Well, that's very well said. You know, and... Uh... I had 26 pro heavyweight fights, and I remember uh, when my manager trainer, Tommy Torino, was lacing me up for my first televised 10-rounder. I remember him saying, somewhere in these 10 rounds, your character will be revealed, and so will that of your opponent. I don't believe, he said, that boxing builds character. I believe that it reveals character. And when you hit that point that you just described in there, okay, where that extra thing turned on, it's almost like cheating, <laughs> you know, because you have like an extra jet fuel in there, and that's what it takes for you to be a champion. Yeah, the brain is such an amazing organ with its various departments and systems and organization. And when all the chit-chat is taken away and all the distraction and the shoulds and the coulds and the woods, you know, you begin to see that like when you're fighting or when you're swimming or whenever you're in competition, you're simply in competition with yourself. There really isn't anyone out there and it's, and it's you against nature. And when I began to realize that somewhere in that swim, it's not how fast you move your hands through the water. You let the water move your hands. And when you can start to tap into the power of like when you're boxing, when you can tap into your extrasensory perception and you can put your feet on the ground and you can secure your lower body mechanics and everything in the brain's eye and ear begins to slow down and you can create leverage and you can drop your heart rate and things begin to happen inside in a way that you have complete control 
over your neuromuscular skeletal system. It actually really becomes something else than what we thought it would be. Well, I could listen to you all day. You're almost poetic. Now, tell us, because all of these are a metaphor for life when you translate from the competition and these 22 and a half mile swims you're doing and things. And tell us about the three pillars you believe in. Well, I believe that, you know, we must find that, that point where more things can turn on in the various nervous systems of the body. And there's so many different ways that we can breathe to enhance the communication level in the brain. There's so many ways that we can breathe that take care of our cardiovascular system, the drive of our heart. There's so many different ways that we can breathe that we're constantly reducing inflammation in the gastrointestinal organs, which mean that we're using less energy per day to digest and eliminate and assimilate our nutrition. And when we use less energy to digest, the gut will then send more energy up into the brain. And the whole goal really is through the breathing, how do we turn the brain on fully? And I think most of us are scared initially by how powerful the breath can be and how powerful our brain really is when you turn it loose. So for me, it's about teaching folks initially to connect with their most powerful energy source, potentially, which is their next inhale. And do you want to breathe deeply? Do you want to breathe slowly? Do you really want to have control over your internal uh, neurobiology and your external environment that you're in? And if you want that, I think there's the opportunity for all of us to do that. So connecting with different types of breathing concepts and strategies and techniques, I think is a wonderful place for us who want to grow mentally. And you believe that this is actually affecting the neuroplasticity in your brain, the actual rewiring of your brain if you're doing this on a regular basis? Yeah, I think as a culture, I think that one of the chronic problems we see is this mild hyperventilation through our mouth. We see a lot of people breathing through their mouth and they're constantly tired. They're constantly exhausted. They're in adrenal fatigue. You know, if you think about it, every animal on the planet is breathing through its nostrils when it's in its natural state. Now, if it's in a hunting state, or it's trying not to become someone else's food, it would be natural to breathe through your mouth and bring up a lot of cortisol and spike the heart rate up and either get what you need or not become someone else's need. But we're all born nostril breathers. And every animal on earth is breathing through its nose its entire life as long as it's in the natural environment that it was brought up with from its past generations. In other words, we can take an animal and we can take it out of its natural uh, habitat and move it into somebody else's house or another neighborhood. And that animal could pant because it's not in its natural environment. It's, it's in a domesticated situation. But when we look at the nostril breathing and how, number one, the nostril breathing actually allows the brain to actually 
secrete nitric oxide. And nitric oxide is a natural anti-inflammatory reducer. So it's easier to send more oxygen through your nervous system and your bloodstream with a lower heart rate. When you look at the breath coming up into the sinuses first and how it affects our cranial nerves, these 12 pairs of nerves that play a huge role in regard to our peripheral nervous system, our sense of what's going on outside of us. And if you look at our first cranial nerve, which is basically our sense of smell, our second cranial nerve and third and fourth is the activity around our eyes. You know, are we safe in this environment? And it, you gradually work your way through your low jaw and your teeth and your tongue. And you finally make your way back to the vagus nerve, which is the 10th cranial nerve. And there's a lot of really good science out there today in regard to nostril breathing, activating the vagus nerve so that we become dominant in raising the qualities of the vagus nerve in regard to stalling aging. So we're keeping the neurons and synapses of the brain moist. So we're never stalling, we're never aging the brain any faster than we need to. So as vagus becomes more dominant, the diaphragm muscle, the muscles of inhale become strong. This takes care of our cardiovascular system. So we're never aging the heart system and the various departments of the heart to go beyond where we are in our chronological birth date. And as vagus becomes stronger, we're activating our entric nervous system of the gut where 95% of the serotonin and 50% of the dopamine Two very powerful neurotransmitters are involved in regard to keeping the brain vibrant. Let's say we've got people watching here at differentbrains.com and they want to start to take advantage of this. They want to get into it. What's the best way for them to go about it? Well, the first step would be to notice in your daily routine when you're mouth breathing. When am I mouth breathing? And when you notice that the mouth breathing is in effect, with compassion, gently correct your breathing. And on the next breath, inhale as slowly as possible, diaphragmatically through your nostrils, and watch what happens to your, your thoughts. Watch what happens to the visualization that you have in your brain and then watch what happens to the physical posture of your low back because you'll notice that when you inhale as slowly as you can through your nose the pace of your thoughts and the pace of the imagery that you're watching in your brain slows down slightly and as this slows down slightly it gives you a greater opportunity to maybe enhance what you do well maybe let go of a, a memory or a thought form that you know no longer serves you, or just simply be in a reflective moment without really doing anything, just being a human being, maybe just slowing down a little bit. So when you slow this inhale down, not only does it have an amazing neurological effect on stalling aging in the brain and opening up the feeling centers of the gut, but it also provides wonderful support in your low back. Because the diaphragm is a very deep muscle. And as an athlete or as a corporate executive or someone who's on their feet all their time or getting up and down, this diaphragm is such a deep muscle. It plays a huge role in stalling aging of the spinal column. And as we age, you know, we lose the straight spine that we had in our youth. So the diaphragm is a wonderful muscle 
to create stability, function, form in the low back. And when the low back is healthy, we have the ability to reduce inflammation, waste, mucus, phlegm, and fat from the digestive organs, while at the same time, this straight spine gives us the opportunity to be neuroplastic in the brain anytime we want to. Now, what if someone in our audience wants to work out with you, wants to attend sessions with you, and uh, how would they go about that? Well, you can contact me at www.edharold.com, or you can email me at ed at edharold.com. And I work with people all over the country, whether it be individually or whether it be with uh, athletes or CEOs or their teams. But it's really all about being in a position where you can amplify the skills that you have in the brain. Always see the bright side of life. Always see the needle in the haystack. Never, ever quit because life is a series of setbacks. It's one step forward, two steps back. It's basically how bad do you want it? And those of us who can hang in there in moments of stress or anxiety or inferiority states, and we can just basically sit back and say, you know what? When stress comes, that just simply means I'm going to learn something new. I'm going to have an opportunity here to be creative. Something is going to change for me. Because you have to understand, Hacky, all of us need to understand that stress is designed to help us. It's designed to help the brain grow. It's designed to help us manage our emotions so that our emotions don't manage us. But somewhere along the line, we've got into the psychological thinking that stress is bigger and better than us. And somehow, you know, we're never going to measure up to the outer world's expectation or to the expectation that we have ourselves and our heart. But stress is designed to help the human being. And the more relaxed you are through breath and controlling your breath, and the lower heart rate you have when stress arises and you become aware that you've left your path, you're not in the center of the road anymore, the greater ability you have to reshape your perception of that thought form or that image that's in your brain. Ed, I remember when we were all there in the audience at the Aspen Brain Lab, and you were up there and you had us take a break and start breathing, and there was something about the ratio of two to one that you inhale through your nostrils for a count of eight, as I recall, and then you exhale for a count of four. Yeah, so that's, that's perfect, but we want to reverse that. Why don't we inhale for a count of four and exhale for a count of eight? So now I got it couple, backwards, huh? No, but you're still right there. So, uh, you know, inhaling for four. You know, we can always exhale twice as long as we can inhale. But we're not used to exhaling in this hyped up, you know, stress-filled world that we live in. You know, our exhale is really being shortchanged, and we have a difficult time in calming the central nervous system down, you know, keeping the autonomic nervous system in balance. So, you know, most folks aren't exhaling. So when you inhale four and exhale eight, there's some really good things that are happening scientifically in regard to allowing you to relax and feel and then decide what the next thought should be. Would you care to demonstrate for our viewers who maybe at home want to do it along with you? Yeah. 
So if, for those of us who are at home and safe, don't do this in a car driving. Uh, if, you're, if you're ready, it's easier to do this to just let your eyes close for a moment and relax your low jaw and your lips and sit up as tall as you can and just notice how you're breathing right now without controlling the breath. And when you're ready, I want you to inhale as slowly as you can through your nostrils. And as you're inhaling, I'd like you to count until your lungs are expanded as full as they can go. And then begin to exhale slowly through your nose and try to allow the exhale number to grow longer than your inhale number. Now, you might not be able to inhale four and exhale eight. You might be able only to inhale three and exhale six or inhale two and exhale four. But just notice what it's like to stay on the exhale muscles longer than you normally do, and then not rush the next inhale. So just go through a couple rounds on your own here where your intention should be inhaling as slowly as you can through your nose, inflating the lungs to their capacity, and then on the exhale, See if you can double the length of the inhale. Well, I just did a couple of rounds, Ed, and I feel like I went to the Bahamas. I feel good. And that was just a little, little bit of this. Um, yeah. This is amazing stuff because it works and it's good and it's so helpful. Well, anyone who's alive can take this on. All of us, if you're alive, you're breathing. And it doesn't matter your level of intellect. It doesn't matter uh, any of the normal restrictions that we have in regard to our medical interventions. This is a wonderful tool to help turn the brain on, to help turn the heart on, to turn on the, the wisdom of the gut and the second brain of the gut in regard to integrating some of the deeper sciences that sometimes are missed when we're on the surface of our consciousness. So as soon as you begin to bring your attention to your breath, the neurochemistry begins to change. And I think it allows for a much deeper dialogue or a much deeper inquiry in regard to who am I, where am I, how did I get here, what is my intention, where am I going? You know, it's really all about, you know, all right, I have this choice that I'm going to make right now. And in this choice that I'm choosing to make right now, the idea here is knowing your blind spots. Knowing your blind spots. How much are you aware of in your, every choice that we make has blind spots. It's simply the way it is. And, you know, we're more aware on Monday today than we were on Sunday. You know, right now you're most aware of your mental and emotional intelligence at the highest point that you've ever been in your entire life, regardless of what your mind is telling you. Right now, you're better than you've ever, ever been. And slowing your breath down has an amazing way of shutting off the inner critic, shutting off that self-sabotage gene, and giving yourself permission to get out of your own way and maybe trying on a new thought form or a new workout or a new way to communicate with a coworker so that we're all in this together and we're all finding value and growing together. Ed, I know that you have uh, workshops for different groups. Do you have workshops 
specific for those of us whose brains might be a little bit different, say people with uh, autism as an example, um, or you know, pick, a, pick any entity you want or any uh, so-called label, do you have special workshops for different groups? Yes, there's special workshops for folks with uh, post-traumatic stress disorders, ADD, AHDD, all the other alphabets that come along with it that, that are basically where we're looking at folks that are filled with more anxiety than, than most of us. And when we're filled with anxiety, uh, we need to, I start with breath and rebooting the autonomic system and bringing up a stronger vagal tone. And in that, we take care of the cardiovascular system. And as we take care of the cardiovascular system, it's easier for us to work with the different psyches that are going on in the brain at any given time. So a lot of the work that I, that I do with is stress-related, uh, whether it's interpersonal, outer personal, whether it's business stress, but it really is just allowing the breath to help us see the best in ourselves where we might have a thought that devalues our goodness as a human being. I would like you to uh, go over how our different brains viewers can get a hold of you. So the easiest way to get a hold of me is to email me at ed at edherald.com. That's with two R's. Or you can go to my website at www.edherald.com. All right, Ed, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time to enlighten us. Well, Hacky, you're an amazing human being. And the journey that you've chosen to go on in this lifetime to serve others, to serve humanity, to make the world a better place, to maximize the time you have in your body touches all of us out here in the healthcare field. And I can't thank you enough for sharing my vision and, and my passion with your community today. Thank you so much, Ed. Good luck to you. We've been talking here with Ed Harold, that's with two R's, and probably the world's authority on breathing. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.com.